Well, we're in a, uh, a short section of Philippians today, uh, which is, is good because we've got a lot of moving parts trying to uh, come into this building for the first time on short notice. So uh, if you have your Bibles, go to Philippians uh, 4, 1 to 3. And I want to remind us, if you've been with us, uh, that this letter Paul has been un- unfolding for us in this letter, the keys to having a real sturdy joy and a real sturdy peace in the middle of difficult circumstances and difficult times. That's what he's been talking about. Things can be very, very, very hard, but you actually, look at this. It's like I can rub, I'm cleaning up the water beneath my feet. Yeah, you can have real joy and real peace and real confidence even while things are really, really hard. And Paul is saying, here's the key to that. And these three verses that I'm about to read... Uh, He actually, just in these three verses, demonstrates a really important biblical principle that I think is essential in the life of a believer, but oftentimes is missed. So this is actually really good. There's a lot in these little three verses, and it won't take me very long, hopefully, to say it. So 4, 1 to 3, here we go. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I long, or sorry, I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord, and in this way... Dear friends, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. God's word, all right? So I want you to imagine if today that there was a quarrel or a fight going on between two of you. Uh, And I decided in this moment to call it out in front of every single person in this room. Sit in that for a second, okay? That if if there was a fight between two of you, there was a, 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 a fight between two women, but it's just we won't pick on just the women, anybody in this room. And I called that out from the front because that's what's happening here with Euodia and Syntyche. That their quarrel, whatever was going on, they don't know what was going on. Their quarrel had become big enough to actually make it into scripture, right? Like of all the things, you know, it's like, wow, this would be wonderful to be remembered for, right? They made it into scripture because of the fight that they were having, right? Made it into this letter to the church. And this would have been read aloud to the Philippian church when it got delivered. So the first time that they're hearing this... Paul decides, I'm going to address this, this quarrel head on. And he called it out because what was happening between these two, I mean, you, you call out public sin when it's having a public effect, right? He's calling it out because it was having such a profound impact on the health and the life of this church that it absolutely had to be addressed. So you can imagine this was a pretty uncomfortable, potentially uncomfortable moment, certainly uncomfortable for us in this day and age, right? Unless you're an Enneagram 8 and you love conflict, you'd be like, bring it on. I want to fight it in public, right? So how does Paul step into their conflict here? Because it, it seems kind of abrupt, uh, but th- their conflict, it was a joy-killing conflict. It was a unity-killing conflict, and he's saying, I've, I've got to address this. And there's something, there's a way that he handles it, even just in these three verses. There are theologians who actually argue that the entire book of Philippians was written to address this one conflict. 
that all of this be of one mind and be humble like Jesus, it was all building up to actually address the fact that whatever was going on between these two people was about to split the church in half. Now, I don't know if you can totally prove that, but some guys were really saying, I think that's honestly what's going on. How does Paul step into their conflict? Or their conflict? Well, the, the, one, the one thing, there's just one point here, and it's something in here that I think is really practical, but I rarely see it practiced in conflict by the people in the fight. A really simple, practical, biblical principle and truth that rarely gets practiced when you're in the middle of a fight, and it's this. You have to bring big truth, big truth, into big and small conflicts, okay? So write that down or jot it in your head, right? You must, you absolutely must, and I'll explain what I mean by that, bring, bring big truth, cosmic, eternal, like, Alpha and Omega truth into whatever small or big, because this was probably something that started small and grew big. That's what most things are, right? Snowballs, just kind of getting bigger and bigger. Cosmic, eternal, Alpha and Omega truth into whatever conflict you're in. Because in most conflicts, right, there's my truth, right? And then there's, there's your truth, and then there's actually what's called the truth, And I'm not just talking about who's right and wrong in that particular situation, in that particular conflict, but I'm talking about the truth that is is way up high, way up above, bigger than any of the things that we may find ourselves quarreling over. And that's what Paul does in these three verses. You ever seen like when a semi actually has to be pulled out of a ditch, the, the kind of tow truck that they bring to pull the semi out. It's like a double semi with like 78 tires and a giant crane on it, right? And it's like this this thing, this is a big issue and it's gonna take something very big to drag it out of the ditch. What Paul does all the time, and he's doing it right here, he's saying, I bring the giant tow truck for every problem, for any quarrel. I call in the big rig. I don't just send the one, the small one that might just kind of like, Let's see if we can kind of sit down and kind of talk through this. It's like, no, we're going to come and we're actually going to bring the big truth to this small issue or this big issue, right? That's what Paul does here because he bookends confronting them with cosmic truth is what he does. So let's look at where he begins. What does he say there? He says, therefore. So what, you know, the principle is what? There, what's the therefore, therefore? That means he's, he's talking about what he just said in chapter 3 right at the end, right? And what was he saying in 3.17? He, he reminds them, hey, your God isn't your stomach. Your appetites aren't what direct you anymore. You actually belong to a different kingdom now. You are a citizen of heaven. That is your identity. That is your very sense of self. Boom. Right? Therefore, because that's true about you, because you're a citizen of a different kingdom, right? And your, your God isn't your stomach and your appetites and your desires, those aren't, aren't your God anymore. Because of that, who are you now? You're my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for. My brothers and sisters. What's he saying there? He's saying, you're related to me. You're related to one another, right? You're family now. That's why I'm calling, he calls this true companion and Clement, 
other people into the conflict because the conflict is only going to be sorted out by the family, right? Your brothers and sisters, you're a part of a family. I love and I long for you. You're my joy and my crown. What is he saying? He's saying you're absolutely like the cows look at their little girl and saying you're so precious to me. That's what Paul's saying to them. I love and I long for you. You're dear to me. And so he's not coming in just being a jerk, calling them out in front of everybody. It's an absolute tender rebuke, pleading with them for their reconciliation. Return to one another. What is he calling their dear friends? You see what he's doing? He's saying, I'm reminding you. You remember when you were friends? You remember when this fight wasn't the thing that defined you? You remember when you had something more going on than this conflict? Because sometimes when we get in conflict, doesn't it become everything? We absolutely kind of paint people into certain places where all of a sudden we've forgotten everything we feel or think or know is true about them. They're just that one thing. They get painted black and white. So he starts there, and then he says, I plead with you, Euodia. I plead with you, Syntyche. Be of the same mind in the Lord, right? So he confronts him, and then how does he end it? He says, yes, and I ask you, what? My true companion to help these women, so he's calling someone else in, who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. So he's reminded them that they're family. He's reminded them that he loves them. He reminds them that these, they're, you're my joy, you're my crown. This is who we are, your citizenship's in heaven. And then he says this, we have this shared purpose. You have contended, the word there in the Greek is you have fought in the trenches with me, side by side with the Apostle Paul in the planting of this church. So these aren't attendees of the first church of Philippi, right? Like, we go to the first church of Philippi. There were no other churches in Philippi, right? Like, these were influential leaders, mature women who could handle being called out in public. These were studs, right? These were, these were culture-shaping women in the church of Philippi, and they couldn't just leave for the other church that it's easier to go to now because we don't have to deal with the conflict. There was nowhere else to go, right? They're mature women, and he's saying, remember, we have this purpose. We have fought in the trenches together. We're family. We have this purpose. Remember what we're contending for, and then he drops the, like, Alpha, Omega, cosmic bomb of all cosmic bombs, right? He says this. He says, whose names are written in the book of life. Now, we read that, and we're just kind of like, oh, you know, that's great. You know, heaven, heaven's roles, <laughs> you know? For them, it would have been like an absolute juggernaut statement, right? Your names are written in the book of life. What is he doing here? He is calling the whole sweep of salvation. Right? Remember, I said it when we baptized Charlotte. Before you were in your mother's womb, before the creation of the world, is what Scripture says. Your names are in this book. This book of salvation, right? And he's saying, bring the weight of that. The weight of what Revelation 20 and 21 talks about when Christ will return for his people and there will be a new heavens and a new earth and all things will be made new and there will be no more sickness and no more sin and no more conflict and you will all be in your perfect bodies the way that you want to be in your perfect bodies right now. That day is coming and he's saying bring 
the weight of the fact that your names are in the book of life into this conflict, sisters. What's he doing? He's bringing massive, big rig tow truck, pull you out of the ditch, massive theological truth, promises of God, eternal things being drawn into the present. And he's saying, bring those things to the table in your conflict. You're a part of a new family. You have a new spiritual purpose. Your names are written in the book of life. Sisters, pick up your heads. Brothers, pick up your heads. Uh, you ever made, made a sandcastle with your kids on the beach, right? You kind of worked on it, worked on it, and then all of a sudden that one wave comes and you realize everything I just worked on building is about to erode back into the sea. Well, that's what's happening right now. Paul's saying, would you let the giant wave of this truth come wash over the tiny little sandcastle of whatever is causing conflict between the two of you? And would you let it wash it away? He's saying you have more in common than you have in conflict. And would you agree in the Lord? It's powerful. He's, he's not saying, I want you to agree about what you disagree about. He's saying you may have a disagreement. There may be legitimate arguments on either side of that disagreement. But you still have way more in common than you don't. Let me remind you of all of that truth. You have so much common ground. Your name's in the book of life. You're going to be in heaven together, okay? So, what am I inviting us into? This is the end of the sermon. Look how quick that was. No train. Yeah. What's Paul teaching us here? Will we be people who learn how to bring the end of the story into the current one? Will we be people who would know how to and would know the truths? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know the promises of God. Maybe they're old and kind of dusty like our sound system. You know, they've just been sitting in here for 16 months, and you rarely get them out and apply them to your day-to-day -day life. But that's what Paul's teaching here. He's saying, would you bring these giant eternal cosmic truths, and would they apply to everything that you're facing, little and big? Because what happens when we do that, when we bring the truth and the Holy Spirit applies the truth to our lives, it reshapes our arguments into opportunities, right? They become opportunities for reconciliation. They become opportunities for us to experience the love and the grace that's been extended to us by the Lord, right? Because the Lord causes us to look at him first, right? When I look at those cosmic truths, I realize, man, I've been forgiven enormous amounts more than I could ever calculate in my entire life. How then can I sit here and hold and grind an axe on you, right? What does it do? It humbles us. We step into his grace and his mercy and his love and his gentleness and, and his patience, right? And that becomes the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And not just with one another. I'll just tell you, there are arguments we have with one another and we have going on, I don't know, in our church, but certainly we all have them with other people. But what about the arguments, uh, the conflict even within ourself? Like, do you bring cosmic truth, eternal truth, alpha and omega truth into the conflict you have with you? Like, am I worthy? Am I valuable? Do I matter? Am I lovable? It's the same principle. He's saying, would you bring that kind of truth to all your conflict? 
Because like the wave on the beach, it, will, it can and it does wash away those little castles that we call our truth, and it washes them away into the truth, all right? So let me pray for us, uh, and then we're going to continue worshiping. Lord, I know even this week, uh, preparing to stand in this place and, and kind of re-begin again, I've felt conflict in my heart, and I have needed your, your promises, the truth that I'm your son, that uh, you are my father, uh, what Janie read, that you know the plans you have for us, uh, Lord, that, that we are a family. Uh, I've needed um, all sorts of big truth to quiet my heart in your presence. And so I pray for my friends that whether there's an actual conflict going on between them and someone else or whether there's just conflict in their own heart about themselves or maybe they feel conflict this morning like, man, my, my heart's all over the map about what we're doing right now. I pray that you would visit us, Lord, uh, even as we sing these, these last few songs, um, you'd visit us and, and you, would, you would sing the truth over us. You would proclaim the truth into the into the deepest recesses of our hearts that, that we rarely show anybody else, but that are full of fear and full of, um, of maybe anger um, and full of judgment. Uh, Lord, would you speak to those places and would you renew our hearts with these big, deep truths of the fact that we belong to you and we belong to one another and that that's safe and secure. Our names are written in the book of life. May, we, may you restore us to the joy of our salvation uh, with, with the truth of all. Uh, that Paul has said here in your name. Amen.